Hey everyone, it is Sean and Dave here from Saturday Morning Cartoons. We want to thank the following people for going to patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons and supporting our show. So a huge thank you to Derek Haynes. Dr. Jason Woods. Jamal Newman. Melanie Harker. Allison Keene. The one and only Sean Paul Ellis. And the amazing Dave Trumbor. Oh, thank you so much. Now, it might sound kind of weird that we are thanking some familiar people and ourselves in this list, but we want to let you listeners out there know that we are not just asking you to support us through Patreon. We are actually putting our hard-earned dollars uh, into the show as well. So we just want to say thank you to those who have supported. And for anyone who can't but would like to help, that, help out the show in some way, feel free to share our Patreon page within your social media circles. It would really help a lot. So thank you, guys. We appreciate you going to patreon.com slash Cartoons to sponsor and support our podcast. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from Paradigm City, I'll be your co-host, Dave Trumbor. Joining me as always, your favorite Megadeuce and mine, Sean Paul Ellis. Oh, man. <laughs> How's it going, Bob? Ah, <laughs> uh, David, 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 I'm doing well, buddy. How about yourself? Doing good, Megadeuce. Oh, God. Are we back in Mecca month? Is this March? What's happening here? It really kind of feels like we jumped back into Mecca March, or March Madness. Yeah. But uh, oddly enough, though, we are, uh, we are rounding out April with another giant fighting robot. Yeah, it just happens to fall squarely in the anime category. This is actually one that I was upset did not make it into Mecha March Madness because it was rated too low. Now, that's not to say it was rated low at all. It was just compared to like the heavy hitters we had in the top eight. This did not quite uh, make that mark. So, of course, we're talking about the big O. <laughs> yeah. And what, what do you think the big O stands for? John. I don't. I don't really know. No, I have I'm no actually idea. a little bit. I'm actually a little knew. bit confused. No, I, I just. I don't. It, it was always one of those things that, like, when it was on, um, when it was on television, I remember watching it very fondly mm-hmm. and thinking to myself, "Where are they going with this?" And and then for 26 episodes, kind of, for 26 <laughs> where are they episodes, going with this? Where are they going yeah. with this? Uh, and and then sort of uh. Because it was because I watched it on Adult Swim and it was sort of you know uh, that serial every night that you would see. Uh, there were times where I would miss episodes, but it didn't feel like it really mattered. It didn't feel like it was something that you know if I missed something that was so severe. Uh, because every once in a while, I mean, there was an overarching story and they had that through narrative that kind of right. uh, came through. But in and of itself, this was just kind of like every week it was like let's let's fight a giant robot and and you're on board for totally. it totally or maybe. Or maybe two episode arc where you fight a giant robot and you're still like, oh yeah, I'm on, I'm on board with this. Or like a like 26 every... episode arc where you just keep fighting giant robots. Yeah. That's and what I'm here like, for. I'm a... And you're like, I'm just on board with it. It doesn't matter. This is actually, this is one of those things that like, it would have gotten high marks for me in Mecha March Madness just because it had like, it established everything right off the bat. And we're going to get into this mm. here in a second, so mm. I don't want to talk too much about it. But like, it had the fights you wanted to see. It had great introduction of characters. It had great introduction of story and style. It pretty much had everything you want in like a first episode uh, and a cliffhanger to leave you wondering what's going to happen yeah. in the next episode. You, you got me on a cliffhanger. Yeah. It teases so much stuff throughout the entire episode that you just really, it feels like everything is just one progressive cliffhanger where they're, they're kind of planting these little seeds along the way where they're just like, this is going to pay off in about 25 more episodes. And you're <laughs> like, Maybe. 
Uh, will it? <laughs> will it? <though? laughs> will it? Will it? Will it? <laughs> I mean, I hope. Well, before we get too much into that, let's give folks out there a history of the show itself. Sure. So, The Big O is a Japanese animated television series created by designer Kiichi Sato and director Kazuyoshi Karayama for Sunrise. The Big O aired in Japan from 1999 to 2000. Uh, the English language version premiered on Cartoon Network in 2001. Originally planned as a 26-episode series, low viewership in Japan reduced the production to only the first 13 episodes. Positive international reception. Hey, USA. Yeah, USA. we did something right for once. 15 yeah, years it, right? ago. <laughs> Positive international reception resulted in the second season consisting of the remaining 13 episodes co-produced by Cartoon Network, Sunrise, and Bandai Visual. The cartoon series was designed as a tribute to Japanese and Western shows from the 1960s and 1970s. The series is done in the style of film noir and combines the feel of a detective show with the mecha genre of anime. The set piece, reminiscent of tokusatsu productions of the 1950s and 1960s, particularly Taho's kaiju movies, and the score is an eclectic mix of styles and musical homages. Still doesn't explain what Big O and Megadeus means. None of the, it doesn't explain anything. No. Still so many questions, you even, questions. you know, even 16 years after the fact from watching this. So many questions. Hey, maybe, the maybe the synopsis of what the show is actually about will help clear it up. What do you think? Hit it up. All right, here we go. So the story of Big O takes place 40 years after a mysterious occurrence causes the residents of Paradigm City to lose their memories. The series follows Roger Smith, Paradigm City's top negotiator. He provides this, quote, much-needed service with the help of a robot named R. Dorothy Wainwright and his butler, Norman Berg. When the need arises, Roger calls upon Big O, giant relic from the city's past. Does that explain it for you? I'm all cleared up. No, not at Does all. I'm still super... Oh, yeah, no, it's, still, it's still very it makes zero sense whatsoever. I don't know if, like, is Big O... This is, this is without any research into it or remembering things from 16 years ago, but... Is Big O supposed to be like Big Omega? I kind of always felt that it was sort of like a like a Greek illusion, like Alpha and Omega. There's a lot in here, so yeah. But then some of the but other really names is... are not so much. No, I, and I guess that that's what it is. Is that you know, as much as it's mentioning that there's a lot of eclectic mixing of music and styles uh, that are in this, I kind of feel like there's a lot of eclectic references oh, yeah. to to literature, um, religion, to time, to yeah, religion, chance, luck. Uh, a lot of kind of very heavy concepts that I, I will say to the fault of this show, in some cases, it never really kind of puts its finger on something and says, this is definitively what it is, which can be a little bit maddening, yeah. but also for the sake of the show is kind of fun and enjoyable. Yeah, I think the only like defining factor is that it's Mecha Batman, essentially. Yeah, it's like, 100%. It's like Batman is... the Animated Mecha Series is essentially I... what this is. I, I wrote this down that, that it was a it was a cross of Batman TAS and uh, a couple elements and some style points like uh, nodded towards Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, definitely with like the music um, right. specifically is uh, something I can see, and then like the characterizations a little bit too. But yeah, let's let's jump into it. So let's start. Speaking of music, let's start with the theme song tonight. So you can't miss what show you're watching when you listen to this theme song. So what were your oh thoughts God. on it? I. It was weird to watch it again because, uh, because I actually I I watched the first episode. Mm-hmm. Let me so let me set the stage. Yep. I set up and I queued the first episode, which is what we watched tonight. Right. Um, and so as I'm watching it, I may have missed uh, an an upload that actually had that 
uh, that intro at the beginning oh, of episode one. And so I'm actually kind of glad that I did it because it was something that just kind of it, it threw me right into the episode. And I don't actually think that the I think actually that the theme song, if you would watch it first and foremost, getting into this, it does a disservice Interesting. to everything that's happening. Because in many cases, they're going to spell some of these these things out for you. And let's be honest, this is a minute and nine seconds of just the word big O being said over and over and over and over again. With just like a somebody in the background. That's it. So just like somebody on like a on a drum machine just went like they just did this. Loop it. Loop And that was and that was it. Loop. And now give me my money. Yeah, exactly. And then it was just a woman just going and then essentially they were like loop and it. they were like loop it <laughs> loop it <laughs> which is actually really funny uh when when it comes to the theme of the big o yes ah, spoiler alert loop oh it. man maybe maybe then that does kind of tie in very well with all of it but i think that's a stretch um, but uh i, yeah, so what I think I've i'm reading read, too much yeah a little much a little bit much what i've read about the theme song though is that it was originally meant as like an homage to queen's uh theme from the flash movie no uh, flash way gordon, flash gordon movie yeah i don't know why i just wrote flash but because they just go flash, oh, you save every one of us. So if you yeah. know that, because it has that like driving beat in the background too, and they just say flash over and over again, uh, which huh. is fantastic. I don't know if that quite works as well for this show, but it's it's a it's fun. It's not like it's not something that gets stuck in your head. It's just kind of like okay, let's just get let's get to the show here. It's actually it's a little bit annoying, but I mean like they do show you. They do show you uh, a bunch of kind of like noir, 60s style imagery. Yeah, it was very um, much like a lot of Hitchcockian kind of like yes. vertigo looking. Yeah, some cool, cool like icons there. Which, which were fun. Yeah. You know, sort of like a timepiece, like a watch spinning around. We had the, the car that Roger Smith oh, that drives car. kind of like flipping around. We have Big O, the Mega Deuce flipping around and like silhouettes a, of people and like yeah, yeah like a lot of negative space a yeah, lot yeah. of outlines you know that they have for for all these different things and so you kind of you're introduced a little bit to this bizarre 60s style um you're also introduced to four characters and yeah. they don't give you the names they just they flat out they show you roger smith and they're like <laughs> negotiator and, th- and this is the point where i think if you aren't familiar with the show watching this theme song for the first episode can kind of ruin it is because they show a, a picture of Dorothy and they, they don't even say her name. They just say Android. Yeah, and you're it's like, like, well, okay. Well, I mean, it was my first time. Like, but, it's, not, but, it's not that it's a big reveal, but it's... Well, it kind of is. I mean, in the it, first yeah, episode, it's part of the plot. Um, it's, yeah, like you said, it's not the most important thing, but it, does, it is part of the plot. But then to your but, point, when butler. you watch the first episode... <laughs> butler. When you watch the first episode, it didn't start off with this theme song. We had to find it separately. Right, um, right. Which is... So it probably started showing up in like the second or, or third episode even, um, which Fingers would make a lot more sense. They were smart enough to kind of do that because yeah. I, I, think, I think throwing you into this universe and this world, especially these first couple shots that we have, yeah. uh, do a better job of setting up the tone than anything, any introduction or theme song that you could have at the beginning Absolutely. would almost kind of feel fake, cheap, uh, and ridiculous. And so I, I'm, but all in all, I don't know, I'm middle of the road. It didn't, it didn't get okay. stuck in my year i was annoyed yeah. halfway like 30 seconds through i was like let's wrap this up so i think i think what happens is <clears throat> before we get into like uh some other stuff here i think what happens is in the first few episodes it's just that like 
there's a line of text, which is very famous for people who know this series, that scrolls across the front. And then it's just like this, <laughs> the image of the robot face, like emerging from like a pool of <laughs> essentially like, like lava, lava or like molten, like molten iron or molten ore or some sort of curative whatever. But so I think that's what they used in the early goings. So I think that's why we saw that. And we saw this weird theme song later. Before we get off of the theme song, though, did you watch the outro song? I did. I did watch the <laughs> What do you think of whatever this is? Oh, don't you mean a uh, seductive uh, Roger <sighs> sitting on top of an hourglass? Oh, and hello, there's a, ladies. There's a, 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 a male-female duet that's going oh, on in the background for him. Um, it was okay. It was very, very classy. Which... It was kind of, it was like weird. It was like Archer classy, though. So it wasn't yeah. quite, it was kind of just like, mm, not sure what you're going for. There, there were weird. moments where I was, yeah, it was weird. I, I, I like, because it talks about like feeling alone, and so I, it, it's, yeah. it's very thematic in terms of what the show is going for, and kind of understanding, you know, yourself and your person. And then when the the other person joins into the duet, you're just like, oh, well, it's kind of sweet because now it seems like they're not alone. But then you listen to the song, and you're just like, no, these are just two people who are just very clearly alone. Yeah. And then did you see the stinger that's at the end that's right after it? Oh, it like leads into the next episode where it's just the where, phone ringing. Well, yeah, it's the it phone ringing and then it's somebody picking it up and like saying, almost kind of like panicky, yeah. saying the name of the episode. Yeah. Uh, I forgot all about that, but I, I loved that. It was almost That worth, connection, yeah. Yeah, it was almost worth sticking through creepy yeah. classy like <laughs> duet at the end. Like sepia-toned Roger on his yeah. giant hourglass. <laughs> What a weird like thing. He, it's it like, was the, like the theme song and the outro are so weird and like completely separate from anything to do with the show, in my opinion. Yeah. That they just feel very separate. God. I don't but know. hey, that's been... a great pose. If you guys are looking for like new pictures to send out to family and friends, uh, sepia tone, glancing over your shoulder, sitting backwards uh, cross-legged on a giant hourglass might be a look <laughs> you're into. Give it a shot. Send us a card. Okay, speaking of weird styles, let's talk yeah. about the animation style of this thing because it's one of my favorites. So uh, one of my favorite things about this is just sort of the, as we've mentioned, you know, this is supposed to pick up this very classic 60s and 70s noir, you know, uh, detective yeah. slash, in this case, negotiator. Uh, but they do a great job with the thickness of the lines mm -hmm. That they have, which again is very, and, and not only just the thickness of the lines to outline each one of the characters, but also inside of their faces, like the specific laugh lines, uh, furrowed brows, uh, Roger Smith's crazy ass hair, and his his weirdo eyebrows, his eyebrows that he has. Like, I mean, oof. I mean, everybody in this show that has like facial hair, like the the officer that we have yeah. that we're introduced to, like everybody seems to have something that's like really interesting and distinct. Well, he's Even got that weird like scar vein thing too on his head that I don't know right. quite what that is. But he's got these like really like bushed out yeah. furry mutton chops. I don't want to get too much into this, but, but like everybody has every, cause I mean, I know we're going to talk about the characters. And yeah, but that's minute, fine. But, like, cause this is their style and their kind of design yeah. and that, that does help them stand out and you're not introduced to that many, but this right. helps them be, yeah, very signature but, and specific. Yeah. But even like the background characters yeah. seem like they have unique character. Like, the city that you're in, that you're introduced to, like, you know, the Paradigm City or the City of Amnesia, uh, like, every, everybody seemed to have grit. Like, it just, on top of them, which was really interesting to kind of see. And, and in terms of being able to place this in terms of its atmosphere, they nail it. They really nail it. Yeah, I love, I love the fact, like, the, you mentioned earlier, the opening scene, we kind of get a shot of Roger driving his fantastic sedan, which we'll talk, oh. that's like a character in itself. Um, so badass it's so cool 
so he's driving that through the city and you get this, there's really cool camera angles that follow it through that really show off the city and also the style. So it's kind of that art deco style of architecture and artwork mixed with that film noir that works really well together. And it really does kind of harken back to like Batman the Animated Series. So if you know the opening theme song and intro of Batman the Animated Series, then you kind of know what Paradigm City looks like, except in the daylight. So you actually right. get to see like what everything is rather than hiding it all in, in shadow. Um, I loved, this is an animation, but I loved that the music kind of harkened back to that era too, right? So it's got this kind of timeless look to it. It's got a, because not everything is pristine. Like some of the buildings are immaculate and they're fine and, and people use them and they use them as businesses and homes and they're in and out of them. But then there's other shots where it's like up dilapidated building is like leaning right up against another perfectly good building it's like crumbling and falling apart while you're playing this kind of like melancholy jazz or even like a like a bouncier energetic kind of jazz in the background but it jazz never feels jazz never feels contemporary or modern to me like it it always feels like it's got some history to it it always feels like i'm listening to it from 20 70 years ago you know it never feels like it's being it's happening now it's always got kind of that timeless character so i like that I like the fact that Paradigm City is a contrast <laughs> in and of itself, though, right? What's funny? I just, I just keep having this idea of like Kenny G just doing like this smooth, soft jazz in the background, and you're just like, yeah. "Hey, pull up a bar stool. Let me tell you all about." Yeah, I'm smoking a para- Paradigm City a clove sm- cigarette. Smoking cloves, yeah, exactly. It's like, guys, let me tell you all about Paradigm City. <sighs> That's an aggressive pull on that clove. We're oh, gonna be man, here all you got, night. You're gonna go through a whole you pack. Gotta, what? What's wrong? And <laughs> then nothing. And then he goes down the okay. road. Oh, <laughs> big head in here. So I love, <laughs> I love the design of Paradigm City, right? Because it's not just a normal city. It's supposed to be kind of like Manhattan. But the issue is that you know, 40 years ago, something happened, and people can't remember what it was. But the current state of Paradigm City is that some places are in are under domes, and other places right. are like ghettos, like they're like tenement housing, row housing, uh, projects but they're like interspersed around these domes. And it's obviously very obviously like a class divide. We don't get that so much in this first episode, but you do get visuals from like almost like helicopter shots and like driving through the city. You get these like gleaming polished interior and exterior of these domes. And then outside, like Sean said, everything's kind of got, it's gritty. It's got snow on it. It's got dirt and steam and fog and smoke. And it's, it's a great contrast between those two things. I thought that was they're really like cool. reverse snow globes. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> Fuck. Like everything inside uh, of it is, is really cool. And, and subconsciously, the look of this world actually inspired a, a story that I wrote, which played up on those tropes. So it's like certain well-to-do folks kind of lived under this dome, but the, the class divide wasn't inside and outside. It was different layers of the dome. So essentially like all hmm. the nasty kind of like fumes and like the accumulated grit. Think about like a, a smog-filled city but all that atmosphere is trapped in a dome. And like, if you live on a high enough level, you have like filtration and stuff that keeps the air clean. But if you live too low, all that shit kind of settles down onto the people that are in the, in the lower grit, as I called hmm. it. So, but this was definitely like an influence on that story. Can we, can we get this short story? It's our, a full novel. It's a full novel can from we, can like we get 10 this? years ago. Okay. All right. Just saying, can we, can we get this up on, uh, on, fa- on our Facebook or our Twitter, Dave? <laughs> I mean, we can if people are interested. Yeah. So, yeah, let I'm us interested know. now. I want to read it. Cool. Yeah. I'll send it along. Uh, but as far as animation style continuing, yeah, I love the, the clean, kind of crisp lines. Um, the, the buildings of the sharp. were cool. Very, very sharp. sharp. 
very sharp lines uh, for everything. Even like the the shoulders. Oh it, well, it yeah, just, they could cut you. Oh my god, it it just it feels like, and some of this looks like whenever I began sketching mm-hmm. uh, and kind of like understanding and taking like art classes in college and stuff. And it was one of those things where it was just like, oh, like I'm doing very sharp, very jagged lines right <laughs> very, now. Like, and defined. So, yeah. Yeah. Ah, everything is so distinct in this. The, the animation as far as like the action was pretty cool too. They had some pretty intense gun battles go back and forth. And then that elevates to like missile battles and that elevates to robot battles. And they were all very kinetic and fun. It was a, yeah. the fun factor really jumped up as the as the show went on. Let's talk about the robot design real quick because it is a first episode, but we do get two giant robots fighting each other. So, oh what do you think God. about the robots? Uh, so, you, we want to do Dorothy one or Dorothy two? That's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. Let's let's start with uh, or or our Mega Let's start with the Mega He makes yeah. a pretty cool entrance, which we'll talk about in the plot. But as far as his look, what, what do you like about it? It's uh. We, you mentioned the Art Deco style. He just sort of feels like uh, the Empire State Building come to life <laughs> yeah. with, with two arms that have what looks kind of like a... Like I, I, I never knew like the, the parts that he has that are on the back of his arms, okay, which like was the always pistons? the thing. Yeah, the pistons. <clears throat> like those portions of it, it always felt like uh, that it was like some... That it was like cocking a gun, mm-hmm. but it was inside of his fist. And I, I always, that was kind of the most fascinating thing about this show for me was how is this thing cocking, uh, providing pressure or some, like, some reaction or catalyst where he's able to like, shoot fire from that fist when it makes contact, but then how does the hand remain in place that's delivering the punch and all the, the fire and the heat? Uh, to me, I was just like, I'm not trying to think too much about this because exactly. I love the design and the look of this. I was like, um, I loved it. It was a cool effect. I have no clue how it functioned, <laughs> but, but it was but cool. The, the, the other things that I, I loved just sort of about this robot in general were just these giant weighty shields that were on the back of his arms that, that you know, he could use to, to block. And so in a lot of these battles where he's sparring against some of these robots, yeah. especially in this first, yeah. he just kind of has them up. He just absorbs you it, know? yeah. Yeah, just kind of taking, taking this damage. Like you can tell maybe it's something where he's not, maybe a really skilled fighter yeah you know he's comfortable with this thing at this point but not it doesn't look like i don't know maybe it's a tactic because i believe now correct me if i'm wrong but i think there's an episode later on down the line where he changes tactics and i think he can he can either drop those shields or like change the arms completely yeah yes yeah uh but then it was but the thing that was always so interesting about this is and for me and the design is that like it's it's a big like it's a big purple robot yeah like it's well, a you're big right. It's like purple. it's like a walking building, right? It, it's this big purplish robot that kind of has almost like a gold corset. Yeah, I don't like know what around... that like weird crown shaped thing is. Like they've got like a very like they've got like yeah. pointy heads. They've got like a lot of ridge work. I don't know what <laughs> how to it, describe it, it. Well, like it's got a weird like because you know like with armor like sometimes you'd have like a cod piece. Sure. Like this thing has like a really sharp crotch cod piece. And then it has an even sharper, like, butt piece sure. to it as well, which is well, always So weird. when he's fighting, he can smash as many buildings around him as possible. But then it's just got this little <laughs> tiny peanut head yeah. up on top. It's a very, it's a strange design, but you can't mistake it for anything else. And the funny right. thing is, like, all the robots in this, or are they all Megaduces? Or is he the only Megaduce? I don't, I, 
I feel I don't like know what they call these. I things. get I, again. It, it. I'll say this. There's a lot of instances in this show where people and things have two names. Like we have Big O, and he's also synonymous with Megadeus. We have the City of Amnesia, which is also synonymous with Paradigm City. Right. You know? Roger Smith. You've got the Negotiator. Negotiator. You've got, yeah. A lot of stuff. So there. So there's a lot of, uh, in many cases, and I don't know if this was like a deliberate tactic or if this was something that was like weirdly lost in translation. Uh, but, you know, identity is a huge portion yes. of this show. And so for me, in some instances, this was like a way to kind of fuck with me about, um, about the identity of things because everything seemed to have one or two or possibly three names in certain instances. Like even Dorothy, like Android, Dorothy. Miss Wainwright, yeah. she's got a, like another portion to her name too, where you keep sitting there and you're thinking to yourself like, or originally there was a Saldana. You thought, it was, thought she was, was Dorothy she Saldana. was Saldana's daughter, yeah. And so there's all these different things where you're sitting there and you're just like, who is what? Again, this who show is, anyone? is who, like this, sh- this show again is just really refusing to put its finger down on one thing and say definitively. Well, but I think that's, that's part of the story though, right? Because like you get right. the layers and this is getting me into the more of the plot. But again, like we find out that Roger Smith is also known as a lieutenant roger smith at some point so right. like everybody has a lot of crazy layers to him and i like you said it's frustrating but i think that's what they intended i don't think it was like right. an oversight or anything i'm and not that, saying and that's what i'm that, saying but. and i'm saying that like it, maybe it was something that was intentionally written in which i'm hoping it was i don't think that it was something that was really like lost in translation in terms of what they were doing it felt like everything that they did which the intentionality behind all of this felt like it was there like they were driving towards something eventually which was rewarding to everybody who was, who was watching the program. Yeah, and like we, when we talked about on the Mecca podcast, it's like I love a cool exterior design, but it's, it goes way beyond that for me when you actually get to see like some interior work or almost like blueprints of how these things function and how they work and how they are put together and how they're constructed or taken apart. And we get to see that when Roger jumps in the, co- in the cockpit because he's flipping switches and he's turning dials and he's stepping on pedals and he's moving gears back and forth. And he's got like these two... The arms kind of function on these weird, like, <laughs> semicircular tracks with, like, joysticks and flip switches. It's a cool-looking thing, man. I love it's the like inside a, It's like thing. a Nordic track. He's yeah, in, like, he's, one of those... He's just doing his calisthenics in, on the inside. Whatever the Chuck Norris, like, total gym is. Yeah, yeah. He's rocking out inside of the cockpit. The weird thing is thing the cockpit, like, Chuck Norris's home gym, has plush carpeting in it. It was really weird. Really does. And it's very TV bizarre for a dojo. Yeah, pretty strange. <laughs> and, a, and a cockpit of a mega deuce. Um, oh god we don't know yet what the inside of the other one looks like uh dorothy one spoiler alert but the exterior of it looks kind of the same it's very similar yeah but it has very, different uh different weapons it's got like these tendrils that are very like fine they have finely tuned like motor functions and like claw thingies on the end of them so everything that's created or, or built by whoever at this point has a different look to it but a similar overall appearance if that right. makes sense and so the one big difference obviously being dorothy 2 that were introduced into this yeah. episode and so dorothy she just looks like uh she looks like a very prim and proper young lady you might mistake her for a girl if you were in a darkened warehouse and had never seen her before and had sunglasses on yeah maybe maybe provide a picture next time you know, to kind of understand exactly who you're trying to uh, rescue. Well, in these except she didn't I feel exist. Like this is, so yeah, I feel like yeah, I feel like there's a failure on a lot of parts. Well, this is <laughs> this is the cool noir part, and we're gonna kind of get into characters and plot here and sort of intermingle them. Um, this was kind of the cool noir part for me though, because what seemed like a straight up 
uh, negotiation where you just negotiate an exchange of a, of a kidnapping victim for a ransom. It's pretty right. straightforward. That all goes to shit very quickly. But then that layer upon layer, as you peel back more and more stuff, you start to find there's quite a lot going on and quite a lot that our buddy Roger gets into here. So let's just jump into Absolutely. it. I mean, do you want to start with Roger since he's kind of the first one that we meet? He's literally the first person to talk. Sure. I mean, we've, we've kind of described, you know, very, uh, like, very proper looking. Bruce Wayne. Uh, yeah. Uh, black suit, um, you know, all black accessories, black hair. Uh, very like dark, thick kind of black yeah. outlines around all of his body. Interesting eyebrows. Sweet watch. Sweet watch mm-hmm. uh, that we have there. And so, I mean, he just, he looks cool, calm, and confident, yep. you know, regardless of the situation. Um, it, he actually he reminded the- me of uh, of Jason Statham's like transporter. Like, oh, that character. yeah. Because he kind of does the same thing. He'll take, not really as a private eye so much, which is what Roger Smith is supposed to be, but he'll take a job as long as it abides to like his code of ethics. And then he'll also stick to that code, but he's got like, he's very capable, but he's also got a strong sense of like loyalty, morality and style to be honest with you. So you want to, uh, you want to encapsulate, uh, Roger Smith's feelings on, uh, on his negotiations <laughs> on his, I don't know about negotiations, but I know about the criminal. Should I take my tie right. off and hold it in my Butler's face and scream at yep. him? That hundred <laughs> percent. What was that scene? That was like the one thing that looked like it was lost in translation. There was like a weird moment. Yeah. Where he just goes, I feel the criminals should behave professionally. <laughs> he just and yells like, it at his butler after walking in the door, slamming his tie in his face. Very strange. He gets like real pissed off and is just like, well, I'm going to take this out on Alfred. Yeah. Alfred the butler. That's yeah, his no. name. It's, his, his, uh, it's Norman. It is. Um, and he's got an eye patch. That's how you can tell yeah. he's not Alfred. Again, but it's like really, really like that's like the one thing for Norman that you're just like, what? What's the mystery behind that? Like, you know, in terms of uh, in terms of our officer that we have, as you mentioned, it's the well, scars on his head. Well, yeah, I'm, I don't want to. Oh, okay. I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to go through too quickly. Okay, but cool. Just you know, we we have all like we have all those things that are really unique. So for the butler, we've got this eye patch. Officer, we've got the scar on his head. Right. With Roger Smith, we've got these fucking eyebrows. You know, and so it's just. And then Dorothy's got things. kind of like a weird kind of like pallid skin and she's got this kind of robotic voice not quite that bad but pretty bad um that was a pretty good robot dave yeah but hers is like hers is slightly more human than robot but there's just something off about it definitely when she moves like when she cranes her neck up to talk Uh. to him and it's like you can hear like the servos winding up in there (laughs) it's pretty weird Oh man. So what is what is the first so this episode was called what roger the negotiator but it starts instead of the theme song it starts with a scroll of this line, cast in the name of God, ye not guilty. And that is a very famous line for fans of the show because it essentially scrolls across this weird, like circular view screen of the Megadeuce in the cockpit whenever it's going to start up. So it's sort of like testing the person in the cockpit. And if it says cast in the name of God, ye guilty, I don't think it'll start. Or if it starts, it, it mm. starts in some kind of different, uh, different mode or something like that. So it, it's like they're already throwing this religious aspect at you, but it's also sort of like you have to prove yourself worthy to be able to pilot this thing. Mm. So that was always just like, there's that. And then like the very final line from the whole series is like, we have come to terms. And those two things have always stuck with me. Like those two lines for whatever reason. A, because they're so weird and they don't really mean anything by themselves. But in the in but the, together in yeah. the context of the show, yeah, then it makes a eh, yeah. slightly more sense. But 
Yeah. It's a, it's a well, weird, I mean, just like yeah. just going through it right now, I got like a weird chill when yeah. you said it, and I don't know why. Because it's such a weird like, thing Ooh. to hear, but so specific to this show. Um, right. But yeah, it's a it's a cool thing to like introduce people to because you're just like, what? And then this giant robot face rises from a pool of like melt molten iron. It's like, okay, <laughs> let's get into this. So let's get into it. So what's Roger's first job here as he's driving through uh, the city? Uh, as we mentioned, um, his his job is to negotiate the return of uh, Saldano's daughter, right? Who's being held Dorothy. for ransom by yeah by uh, by musical by musical yep. artist Beck. Yep, makes a cameo and appearance. So, right, and so musical artist Beck is just like, "Hey, what's up? Uh, stole your daughter. This is the deal." And so they they meet in this dark uh, warehouse, yeah, it's like a hangar um, almost or something. Right, and so you know, uh, in as we talked about, sort of the the the. Prof- the professional nature of Roger's job, you know, he gets out very calm, he's just like, "Here's the money. Where's the girl? Here's the girl." You think it's a normal hand? It looks pretty. Like, I mean, nothing really goes wrong for the I first ninety percent of it. I've never negotiated anything no. that is that has stakes that are this high. I've watched a negotiator an awful lot, but uh... <laughs> the one with Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, hell yeah, I've never did it myself. <laughs> and then you did it yourself. And then I did it myself, and everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I have to prove my innocence. That's right. <laughs> just I watched it to prepare for that moment. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And it worked. Was it Kevin Spacey in that? He was in that. Yeah, that's right. He was the other negotiator. <laughs> it should have been called Starring the negotiators, Ken- but they wanted to keep it for the sequel, I guess. Oh, God. <laughs> you don't think it was just going to be like negotiators too? More negotiations. More negotiations. Tokyo negotiations. Tokyo negotiations. Never mind. I got nothing. Paradigm shift. (laughs) All right. So we're back in the warehouse. Uh, The girl's been handed over. Everything seems totally fine. And then this like sedan just comes like bursting out of nowhere. This was funny to me because you you obviously know that it's the guy who uh, hired Roger to do the job because Roger says, I always hate it when my clients don't have any patience or something like that. Yeah. So this guy comes flying in. At the same time, the, the guys who got their money just, just drive through a wall of this warehouse and just crash through it to make their escape. And I'm like, that's a little strange. Like, everything was fine. You just leave with your money. Don't be an asshole about it. Right, right. So then the, um, there's then, another kind of funny sequence that happens here. Yeah, go ahead. So this is the, this is the moment where, uh, you know, Roger and Soldano, and he's just sort of, He's sort of proud of this. He's like, you know, everything went as planned. Here, here's your daughter. Yeah, and she's like, that is job not well done. <laughs> my daughter. And I don't understand what's wrong with Saldana, why he was an extra from the movie The Coneheads. Yeah, he's got uh, something funky going on. He's got a lot of like liver spots, but his head is also very pointy. Yeah. Yeah. So he just, uh, he kind of looks like a human finger. He just looks uh, like, a, like an old man candle that's melting. Old man candle. He's an old man candle. So we're going to call him Just old stop, man candle from now on. Pop over to the Yankee candle store yeah, and be like, can get the up. old man? <laughs> get the just old man. A bunch of grandpas that are just in the corner. Yeah, <laughs> You're just, just like, just all right, just come on with me. Come on, put a wick in it. Let's go. Give me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to light this and you've got until the end of this wick to give me all your sage wisdom. That's right. Pops. And the smell of sage, too. It's delightful. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's a That's nice, good. Good, good twist. All right, so he's pissed. Because so, guess what? Uh, That's not his daughter. Yeah. Mm-mm. It's a straight up android. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which he gets a little bit of flack from saying like, you know, can't believe you didn't know that this was an android. Like, I love that he takes buddy. his sunglasses How often are you though? running into fucking androids Well, apparently like this. In, this, in this world, they're like fairly common because they don't react to her like, oh, that's weird. There's one of these walking around. They're just like, huh. Like Roger actually takes his sunglasses off and then he's just like, oh. 
<laughs> That's a weird, weird shift. But guess what? That doesn't even phase Roger Smith, pro negotiator. Because what is he? He's ready for that. He's ready for a double cross. Yeah. What's he got up his he, um, sleeve, Batman? He, he pulls out this little, uh, yeah. little control box device out of his pocket. Yeah. Um, because you know he's saying or because he's getting all this grief for the fact that like this negotiation has clearly gone sour clearly. now at this point. Hits this little button and then sort of begins to crank this dial. I don't know what that was. You, you flash you flash back to Grammy winning artist Beck, yeah. who's driving this car, this sedan down a highway, and all of a sudden like his car, the back of it just kind of explodes, <laughs> and the suitcase shoots up into the air with these two little like jetpacks <laughs> that are on the bottom of it, yeah. and I was like. How do I get that fucking briefcase? Like, I want one. I love that him, like, winding up the thing on the transmitter was almost like he was reeling it in. Like yeah, a fishing it was pole. So, it was so ridiculous. I love that it was just, like, flying home. But then the crazy thing was, like, uh, Beck's gun, or Beck's guns, Beck, Beck's thugs get out and start shooting at it with, like, Tommy guns. He's like, don't you idiot, the money. And then copious amounts of dollar bills spill out of this thing. Like more than could have ever possibly been contained in this briefcase right. to begin with. And it just makes this cool kind of like flowing cloud as the briefcase is still flying off towards Roger. And that's where we get the cool shot of the city. And Roger yeah. also has some like, I don't know, some sage words of wisdom that he says there. I didn't write it down, so I don't remember. But he makes some sort of comment about how the something about the city. Oh, right. Um, I didn't write that down. There's something about like... Uh, Knowing who to trust in the city, which which feeds into the next scene, because now he goes to meet up with an informant at a bar, and this is where you get kind of the next first, uh, the next cool shot of his car and some of the style that it has. So you want to talk about the Roger Smith Batmobile? So like, I mean, he gets out of it, and, and and it just kind of, I mean, this whole this whole car seems like it's integrated into parts of the watch, which is like integrated into parts of his house which is integrated maybe into the, the big O like this seems like maybe, it's something like, yeah, I mean it, like the car like locks up like the Batmobile, doesn't it? When oh, it it's like it, it goes. So I had to watch it a couple of times cause it was unclear since everything's very like black in this, it was hard to tell right. exactly what happened. So it like goes up on these little, these little pistons come out the bottom and push it up like a stand. So it's almost on like a jack stand. And then okay. all this metal, like black metal encases it. So it's metal encasing metal like all around it and it forms like a shell and then it lowers it back to the ground. So it's essentially in like a, like an impenetrable. It's like in a box. Yeah, it's like in a metal box at this point, but like in the shape of the same car that's underneath it, which is also metal. So it's just like a weird thing to do, but pretty freaking cool like, to be honest with you. But there's like, there's clearly a guy as he's walking into the bar oh, yeah. that's like looking at the car who's just like, yeah. what? What the fuck's up what with can, this? What can I salvage? Yeah, it looked like a bunch of like hoodlums that were ready to just like steal whatever they possibly could from it. When I saw it, I immediately thought of that like exhibit meme that they have. It's like, yo, dog, heard you like a car, so I put a car inside of a car <laughs> yeah. so you can car while you're car. Exactly. And you're just like, damn. But it is straight up Batmobile. Because I mean, like the Batmobile yeah. even does that at different times. Where right. it just like turns into a different car altogether or whatever. So <laughs> But it was fun. So the scene in the bar was like pretty straightforward exposition. It was just kind of like Roger meeting this unnamed informant who he has like earphones in. He's, an, he's, he's like a paper. An, he's like an earbud in. I'm I'm assuming that this guy is like, because he even mentions he's like, you know, I've hit my ear to the ground. I've been listening to the streets. Yeah. And like, this guy is just, this guy's an informant. Like, yeah, 100%. You know, yeah. Because he gets paid. Roger pays him. Right. He basically says, um, he kind of gives him the, the lowdown that like Saldano doesn't have a daughter. Uh, that might come later. But essentially, it, it, it's, you start to get the idea that like Saldano was not just out to get his daughter back. 
Roger, Roger says he was meant to locate her, but then he decided to go the extra mile to try to actually get her back too. And then this guy kind of informs him that there's more going on than meets the eye that like Saldano, uh, bankrolled the creation of Dorothy and there's some, there's some other hairy stuff going on, but that's about all you get out of this guy. Right. Yeah. Then we get some more exposition from Roger. This is where he starts to tell you like 40 years ago, everybody lost their memory of everything that happened. And as that's happening, he's driving home, but he gets stopped by like a, this is kind of an odd thing. There was like a police and a military convoy that kind of went in front of him. And that's just to kind of show that like, yeah, people have forgotten things, but it's still kind of the world that we know. There's still like a law enforcement presence. There's the military police presence. And there's still kind of law and order at the same time. Right. And he says basically he, he, like, yeah, get." Well, he talks about the fact that like, you know, people don't know really who they are or what they were doing, but every day they wake up right. trying to remember. Right what that was and he basically so, says like if you can use electricity and get about your day then you can yeah you can you can just it's, do whatever it doesn't really matter at this point it's really depressing yeah. it's a really depressing sentiment like I, I i've been kind of blown away now watching this and realizing that so much of you know everything that we're, we're talking about in here and this will come into play in a little bit but like so much of this seems like chance and luck you know like sort like a lot of things kind of seem like everything in this city seems like it's binary like you know like you know uh villains should behave one way good guys should behave one way and there, it doesn't feel like there's any gray area in anybody's thought and, and maybe that's like a result of kind of having everybody have their memories wiped and trying to understand where they are and who they are yeah and you don't have enough um, time to really sort it out you don't have a lifetime to do it especially when you're dropped into the middle of it uh, right you don't really know what's going on he even has a line where he says most people are okay with not being able to remember yeah. stuff except for the old folks because it's like they can't remember anything and now they're going to die tomorrow. <laughs> so it's like they've only got yeah. a couple of days, maybe. That was pretty sad. But it's interesting the way that they set it up. And that's the kind of stuff that's taken me a long time to wrap my head around in the midst right. of all this crazy giant mecha battle. So, so like we get, we get back to Roger's Wayne Manor. house. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Back to Wayne Manor. <laughs> uh, he, has his, he has his moment where his tie off moment where he kind of insults Alfred, who's also the mechanic, uh, which I love. Yeah, I do. You know, he's. Oh, I love the fact, too, that it, it seems like Roger Smith is sort of a dick about some of this stuff. It's just like, you know, the, he talks about like how part of the car is like uh, underperforming by like one eighth. Yeah, like a, a 0.0% or whatever, 0.02%. Yeah. yeah. And he's just and the and Alfred is just like, oh, maybe I maybe I serviced it incorrectly. And I was waiting for him to just be like, yeah, maybe you fucking did. Yeah. And maybe, maybe. Have, maybe you'll be wearing two eye patches tomorrow. <laughs> or maybe I'll Who get a butler knows? with two eyes, the old bastard. Yeah, right. <laughs> but like he's informed that he has a female guest. Yeah, and, so and then Roger's up. super thrilled about that. He's like, oh, uh, dude, lady he, guest. Is, he is boner town walking up like those stairs. Because he, he pops up and he's just like, I have a very, he's like, I have a very strict rule that only beautiful ladies can enter my mansion what are you trying what are you trying what are you trying to fucking say bro Dang. like it, it just like it just it seems creepy threatening for two seconds but i mean i think the the idea behind it is like he's supposed to be very suave yeah, yeah, very yeah. smooth i didn't think it was that bad then, i did like that I, the look i saw on his heavily painted eyebrow and his eyes though when he <laughs> when she turns around and then he realizes that it's dorothy the android and he for what a split second he's like but can i get in there <laughs> and then he's just like ah fuck All ah right. damn it like, what do you want miss wainwright so they go through this yeah. whole thing this is i think where she cranes her head up at him again it's like creeping yeah. along 
But essentially, she wants to hire him at this point. So that's another twist. This is sort of the femme fatale where it comes into the noir story, right? She essentially should have just had her, like, she should have been a silhouette on the other side of, like, a, uh, what do you you call it? Those, like, the private eye doors with, like, the marbled glass or whatever it is. Oh, with, like, the, that says, like, their name on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. It's essentially that. Whatever that, right. And so they, they have this, and it's very bizarre because, like, in those, in those moments, it's just sort of, like, it's sort of the, the femme fatale or the woman sort of throwing her, you know, uh, throwing herself at the, the man in this, it's sort of, it's similar in this, but it's weird because the entire time I was watching it, I'm just like, she's an Android. Yeah. It, does it still pass a Bechtel test? If it's an Android, I was like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know either. I just love I that. Just I like, love that they play with that though, because she says, I need to hire you to be my bodyguard. And he's like, a, a private eye doesn't do that. And, and B, you're an Android. So what do you need me for? What do you need a human right. bodyguard for guard for? So, they more or less work together. Um, he eventually heads off to investigate. Well, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself because we have another character who shows up before they do any of that. But to finish off that point, Dorothy does have a number of times where, like if somebody tries to threaten her or if Roger says, I'm going to kick you out of the car, and she's like, I don't think you as, basically like a puny human cannot move me as an android. There are many moments oh, throughout I, I this. Ha- I have this line. You got the quotes? Okay, cool. Y- you may try. But I doubt a mere human would have the strength. <laughs> yeah. She's got so many times where it's just like, like he uses her for uh, a decoy later on. She gets blown up. Yeah. Um, there's so many things that happen that she's not a damsel in distress at all. And yet she's still asking for him to be her bodyguard. So it's a little right. strange, but it's definitely a play on that convention. All right. So we've had their meeting. Now we get another character who shows up. We get our officer who kind of fills in again a little bit of like a right. little bit of peppering in of some of the backstory that we have for Roger Smith, the fact that he used to also serve in the the military as well. Right. Um, we get sort of a, a slip and an overreaction uh, yeah. regarding status, uh, where suddenly um, this this officer kind of makes a kind of calls him by he was like a lieutenant, lieutenant Smith, yeah, lieutenant Smith, and like you know Roger is just like that's not who I am. Yeah, he's I'm like, I'm like, not all right. one of your flunkies or whatever. Yeah, dude, you gotta, you gotta relax. Cool. We get it. Which is, it's very interesting though to see that kind of again that binary reaction. where like him on the job. I think he feels comfortable. I think he yep. feels like this is where I belong. Second, he's in like these social situations, or they they harken back people. to like a previous life or a different a different status. It's not comfortable. Yeah. Because he even makes mention about the the photos. Yeah, he's just like you know. He, he looks at it and he says, or the, the officer saying like, yeah, yeah. He just says like, you know, he goes, even if he goes, you know, it's kind of uh, interesting you have this, even if these, like, who knows if these are our memories or not. And you're just like, well, okay. Yeah, come on mm-hmm. in and touch my pictures and then question my reality, dick. Yeah. I would have just come in with like, cause he like with that white glove and just been like, you got to fucking dust You've this picture got to get And Norman is it. not doing his job. Yo, Norman Alfred, Nalfred <laughs> really needs to fix this shit a little bit more than what he's doing right now. This is kind of fucked up. So I like that they, they kind of play up on that character angle, but they also drop some more exposition on you. So then you learn the military police are looking for the real Dorothy. So the other right. sister or the other whatever, we don't know at this point. Uh, you also learn from Dorothy herself that Saldano founded her or funded her construction. And Saldano doesn't have a daughter, but he does have this factory and he's got a lot of, quote, dark and dirty secrets, which is why he hired Roger to begin with and did not want the police looking into things because he didn't want them to find too much stuff. So you would think at this point, uh, Dustin kind of says, like, you already blew it, Smith, so stay out of this and we'll handle it from here. Well, obviously, that's not going to fly. So if you're Roger Smith, the next thing you're going to do is head to the factory, right? Right. 
Of course. And of course up. Dorothy's going to go with you because she, she kind of is doing her own thing at this point. Yeah, she like gets in the car and comes with him, kind of much to his chagrin, yeah. but he's like, all right, I'll allow Well, it. that's where he says that line, or she says that line where like, you can't get rid of me, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so they get to this place. Uh, they find Soldano um, inside the factory, which is kind of vacant right now. It's vacant. It's uh, kind of it, like, a, it looks like it's been partially destroyed. There's like this big kind of scaffolding set up, but you yeah, don't know what it was Yeah, the scaffolding looks like a cross. Yeah. Again, we're getting like weird biblical references yeah. that they're dropping into this the entire There's time. Yeah come up there you find Saldano is uh is is dying you know that he's been injured and that there's blood everywhere this is kind of mumbling um, some weird stuff right he then suddenly decides that the Dorothy that is there is in fact his daughter and Dorothy kind of dispels it and is just like it's just a dying rambling old man but he calls her the second Dorothy yes he calls her the second Dorothy and so and he's also uh, mumbling stuff like he regrets building it for them and we were like I don't know what he's talking about and then do you remember what he says last it's all right, Nightingale. Yeah, and they're both just. And you're like, like, what the? What, what the hell is that? Yeah. You know? Okay, great. More like, more like little weird kind of creepy yeah, teasers like that you get throughout here. For him. Yeah. You know, but I mean, it, it it's such an excellent exercise yeah. in how well this writing is for this show, uh, just to kind of keep you involved and kind of keep you guessing. Because I want to say, by the end of this episode, I had like ten questions minimum. Yeah, minimum. Where I was and like, we've seen this whole series before. Yeah, and I've seen this whole series, and again, I was just like, question number one: what the fuck is going on again? Well, like, unfortunately, you don't have time to figure that out because a missile is zooming in on your current location. So <laughs> yeah, but my but my Apple Watch tells me that I've been locked on, so I know to get the fuck. I out love of that there. he has to wait until it says like locked on. He's like, and now we run. <laughs> So yeah, so the uh, Bex henchmen have shown up at this point. I'm assuming they're Bex henchmen. Yeah, Bex henchmen show up. We get Dorothy kind of as a diversion. Yeah, we get. Uh, He's like, you're, you're an android, right? Run. <laughs> she yeah. just runs get, down a catwalk get, at like superhuman speed, getting shot up, which is ridiculously fun. It to was watch. really funny. I just see her like, like Usain Bolt sprint down. Well, yeah, this you could see her like literally, literally shift gears and get faster and faster. It was pretty funny. <laughs> But we get Batmobile, shoots some missiles, uh, takes out the car, and pretty much blows up a majority of the shit that we have. Since I love this, because first, when they're sitting there and they just got hit by the rocket, Dorothy's like, are you going to do something? He's like, what, do you think I packed a lunchbox full of missiles on my day-to-day job? And then he looks at his watch and, like, cues up a missile. So I'm like, well, clearly yeah. you did. So, yeah. Well, because he's, as he's queuing it up on his Apple Watch, it's like, guns, yeah. guns missiles. Laser, I missiles, was like, like yeah. Well, maybe swipe down one more time, and it's probably like you know something fucking even more extreme than hey, that. Maybe, like, maybe we'll find out what it is. Like what we're about to roll into yeah. next. I just love that he straight blows up the two guys and their car, but also Dorothy at the same time. Dorothy has been like hit, <laughs> fell off the catwalk, and is hanging from like a piece of metal. She's fine, but then the missile from this car just like nukes the whole bottom of the building, and she comes out with like singes on her face and like her hair's all burnt to shreds. What does she oh, call him? She says something like um. Roger Smith, you're a louse. Roger Smith, you're a louse. He's like, it's normally a human woman that called me that. Yeah. Like, okay, we get it. Yeah, shit. Again, it's again, it's just like, all right, enough. Like, I've I've like heard it. this '60s and '70s language before. Like, you're a louse. Like, who? I like who? it though because it's delivered in such a weird way as an android that it's it's cute. It's so fucking deadpan. Yeah. Like it's, it's good. like there's there's almost like no like or there's very little emotion and feeling that's put behind sure. a lot of her lines and like it's such a weird. It, from like everything that we know about that style of television and cinema during that age, everything was so, in many cases, very overly dramatic. Yeah, because so yeah, it came from like a theatrical just, or a vaudevillian yeah. kind of background. 
So this juxtaposition really kind of fucks with how yeah. you perceive because it's just it's not fulfilling any of your expectations left and right. Yeah, it's but it's fun. On. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. So speaking of, so we had that level of action. Like, what what could possibly happen next? Uh, man, we could have like uh, a huge robot uh, trying to break into a bank, try to steal. <laughs> um, not not the money. No, not the money. It's trying the to plates. steal. It's trying to steal the plates. What a what a weird and random thing. Like, if you're watching this for the first time, you don't know somehow that this is a giant mecha fighting monster, like robot thing, then what a weird thing to just be like from, go from this noir story to like, Master Roger, there's a robot breaking into the mint downtown. It's like, thanks, Alfred, yeah. I'm on the case. It really just well, it's like a that. weird it says, flip. West Dome, it says West Dome number five, there is a giant robot. I'm just like, well, yep. <laughs> we're, we're not like pulling any punches on no, here. which is great. But I we're about to get into the punches. Super punches. So Super yeah, punches. so these two drive right to the heart of the action. They kind of bypass this like rookie on the force who tries to stop them for identification. He's like, "Boy, you better remember my face next time," and then just drives away. There was a we weird get, we thing do that get, happened though. We get one moment yeah. where, as they're passing by a group of people, yep. Dorothy looks out the window with her weird kind of like servo craning neck, and she just goes, "My father." And then you just like roll right past it. And you see this like creepy old guy yeah. who kind of looks like Master Roshi from DB. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Just, he's like in a white suit. A, yeah, kind of began with like, yeah. he looks like an old man candle as well. Yeah, he's another melted just man kind candle. Of, it's just like, uh, all right, well, I, you know, we're going to, let's dog ear that. We're going to, we'll circle back to that in we'll a little bit. Don't it. worry we'll about it. We'll come back to it. Yeah, exactly. I love that they roll up though. And this robot is just like tearing into the mint. And there's like a full on battle happening between the robot and the cops who are just shooting it not doing anything it's bouncing off yeah. its armored hide it's not doing anything he's sending his little creepy tendrils into the the vault like scoot scooping aside the money like i don't need this shit and going for the plates <laughs> I, out of my way cash out of my way liquid finances so at this point like dustin is saying god i got nothing um, <laughs> liquid finances. i was trying to think of like how are you paying for shit <laughs> i've got money water. here's a glass here's a glass of water i have money I water you don't have money it. water i don't have money water man i take a dollar bill i soak it in a bottle overnight and then i pay people with that water the next day oh my god it's liquid capital if you drink that water then is you just like drinking like that's how you raise your net worth oh my god hold that's actually smart i mean i thought it was you common gotta, sense you gotta hydrate in order to invest in yourself yeah that's how you do it money water that's how you Head to SaturdayMorningCartoons.com to get your own money water. Um, slash money water. Slash money water. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in for our late night infomercial, money water. So, money water. So they roll up. Dustin at this point is like kind of narrating what's going on. He's like, oh, there's a giant monster breaking into the mint. And he's going for the plates. Whatever shall we do? I love that Roger rolls up and does not hesitate. He's just like, yeah. it's time for me to do the fun thing. Yep. So what's he do? Cue just it up. Get- just gets out his Apple Watch yep. and just screams and it. It's showtime, <laughs> Big O! And this and the Empire State Building just it rises from underneath the earth. It <laughs> just bursts forth. I love. And Dustin's it. like, yes. And then he he's sees it pissed. rip apart a building, yeah. and he's like, no. <laughs> I love how this thing shows up though, because like steam like blows out of the sewer system, like sewer lids go flying everywhere. This thing just cleaves the earth with his weird little head, his little eraser head. And like you said, he just carves up through the center of a building and destroys it. Where were you hiding this thing? How is it moving yeah. under the city? What is happening right now? What is the elaborate sewer system that you have that's set up that allows this thing to like burst forth? Yeah. Wherever these, you are. All these questions. All these questions are coming up. And point. I think they're actually, I think that's actually answered later on, but it's kind of like crazy that it's yeah, just it like, 
It's not like you just called a Batwing in. Like, you called a building-sized robot to burst forth from the ground and destroy a lot of infrastructure. <laughs> and piss off Dustin. Yeah, he's pissed. He's about to get mo-pissed. Mm. But we'll get to that. Yeah. So this is where you get to see Roger kind of jump into the cockpit and go through his whole, like, activation thing. This is where the cast in the name of God, ye not guilty, rolls through again. So that was pretty cool. So now you get yeah. to see some big-ass robot-on-robot action. Yeah. Tell me about it. You'd see, you'd see a bunch of... Uh, you could see uh, Big O, our Mega Deuce. Yeah, the Mega uh, Deuce. Throwing some fists and uh, Dorothy catching some fucking fists. Well, I love that. So Dorothy's like little tendrils are like oh, oh, just about like, to get kinda, the plates. And he then like, he just bleh, He her bear back. hugs her yeah. and just kind of pulls He's her like, back nah, nah, and nah, away nah. from it. <laughs> and then Dustin, and Dustin's just like, hey, he's doing he's it. Doing he's, he's, it. Saving the, he's saving the plates. And I was like. Bruh, well, I think it was great, but then they pick crashed. and choose your battles here, buddy. I think he like spun the other robot, Dorothy One, and smashed her like into the building. The whole building yeah. leans over, <laughs> like that's done. You got to tear that thing down. And Dustin's like, "Oh, motherfucker! Oh, where, I'm gonna have to. Where do you think this money comes <laughs> yeah, from? From that building, and literally that the one you building. just destroyed. That liquid money. That liquid, that liquid money. Money in that water building. building. That's where we treat yeah, it. So they, so they they go through this whole thing where suddenly, uh, you know. There's been this shove battle between yeah. these two robots. But now Dorothy's now, in like combat mode, right? Yeah. Like these tendrils have gone back into the arms. These like claw pincers they have uh, have like grown uh, kind of like in size. And they're actually now like sort of like a fist yeah. mechanism that's sort of just punching Big O uh, on pinching him right on his little shield. And so. Yeah, he's uh, just got his hands up in front of him, just like absorbing the blows, just kind of hanging yeah. out, not really doing anything. So. It takes a couple seconds, you know, uh, and then suddenly, you know, uh, Megadeuce is able to get a couple punches in. And then how does Dorothy then kind of like trip him up, which ultimately leads to her demise? Yeah. So there's a couple of weird things that happen here towards the end. Um, the tendrils kind of come back out, but it's at the same time that Dorothy one, sorry, Dorothy two walks back into the fray. So she is going against the flow of traffic. Everybody else is running away from this battle. She's kind of running towards it. Dustin sees this and is just like, little girl, no, because he doesn't know that she's like a 12-ton android or whatever she is at this point. Right. So he's running after her. <laughs> she's in like this weird trance where she's kind of been talking to herself, but nobody's been paying attention to her. She keeps saying like, father, don't do this or father, no, or whatever. She's in this weird trance. And then the tendrils shoot out and they wrap themselves around the Megadoos. Both Dorothys lift their arms. So now it looks like Dorothy 2 is either in it's controlling control Dorothy one or maybe vice versa, but probably that way. So that's a little wrinkle, which we don't really fully understand yet. But Roger's totally fine. He just kind of like twists himself out of the situation, fires up that whatever pneumatic punch he's got. Yeah. We still don't know how it Shock, works. Shotgun arm. He's got a lit cigarette that launches out of the back of his elbow. <laughs> and then <laughs> that's what it looks like. And then punches the other robot in the face. The lit cigarette jams back into his elbow, and then his fist like explodes, and the robot is just like disintegrated. Not disintegrated. Yeah. Uh, basically, the, it has a it hole. Shoots a it. shoots a hole. Yeah, yeah, through its chest. And then at this point, Dustin has reached Dorothy two and is trying to pull her to safety because, but because she's an android, her her like metal feet kind of scrape across the ground, and she's so heavy that she pulls him over with her as she falls. So now they're on the okay. ground, and Dorothy one is slowly falling on top of them. And Roger looks to be too slow to be able to help. And unfortunately, that's where, to they, be continued. That's where they cut it to the next episode. Dorothy, Dorothy. Good, good teaser. Uh, good. You know, we, you know, we talked, we talked about this. Uh, we talked about this recently with a lot of shows. 
you know and and it's one of those things that like if you can leave us with a little bit of a cliffhanger like on that episode to to want us to click you know episode two immediately yeah this is what we're looking for guys this is this is how to write for this pilot yeah, a little bit, great... little, little bit, a little bit of dashes of exposition in here. Yeah. Good setup, good character we introduction, have world introduction. Yeah, good battle, like uh, a really good battle at- between the two. Atmosphere, atmosphere, you know, fun, fun escalation in terms of some of the action, albeit very brief. It was enjoyable. Yeah, um, but you get you get a good teaser, and then you're left with this cliffhanger. Yeah. So, you know, way to put that carrot right out in front of me. I'm gonna eat put it. I'm gonna eat carrot. it for another twenty five. I'm gonna put that episodes. I'm gonna put that carrot in a glass. I'm gonna fill that glass with milk i'm gonna let it sit for two minutes and i'm gonna eat that carrot what you, what what <laughs> the fuck carrot milk oh god what's wrong with this that's a normal thing to do uh, well we know guys, how sean feels saturday about morning cartoons.com slash carrot, carrot milk. milk you can order your look for our late order night your soylent carrot milk <laughs> you can get a free order of carrot milk when you buy money water <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to get to our final thoughts on Big O here in a second, but there are some other folks out there who might have a difference of opinion. So, Sean, uh, what, do you, what do you got for us here first? All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this, this love it. Um, we have a red carpet room from the United States. This is back in uh, 2006. A red balloon and red tomatoes. <laughs> Big O is not like any show I have ever seen. The writers clearly have an extensive knowledge concerning Greek mythology and even Christianity. It is a cartoon, sure, but the depth of the show is very subjective. The show itself gives the viewer just enough clues to allow one to believe that all of the other unending parade of questions will somehow be answered. But apparently they won't. (laughs) The show walks a profound balance of story and probability and divine vagueness. That's actually a really good way of putting that together. Well done. Good job, Red Um, Carpet Room. Yeah, good job, Red Carpet Room. Uh, I saw a few episodes of the show and became hooked like no other show I've ever seen. The overall theme themes are far from light, two of them being memories and ultimately attempting to define life. What is the value of one's life without memories? Uh, what separates humans and androids in a futuristic world without knowing which actually came first? And that is assuming who and what each character actually is, which is far from a given. My obsession with the show did eventually wane, largely because the show itself is rather slow at times, but plenty of action scenes with enormous robots also representing something, I'm sure, to balance the pace, but those battles rarely excite me. The truly strange aspect of this show is the major... The truly strange aspect of this show is that the majority of it, for me, is window dressing. It's the symbolism that is scattered throughout each episode that elevates this show to atmospheric levels. This show is just smart enough and just open-ended enough for each little mysterious detail to have some profound meaning. This show has everything within it to be the basis of a new religion in and of itself. Seriously. The fact that all all the answers can plausibly be answered but aren't makes Big O that much more lifelike in nature. So I don't know if you knew this, but I've recently become a convert to the Church of the Big O. Oh my God. <laughs> which kind of explains the carrot milk and the money water, I guess, in retrospect. Oh my God. This is part of like our faith. Weird... You can't, you can't tell me what I, what I I'm can't, not judging. can't do. I'm not you can't judging. Judge. You're not allowed to I'm judge. Clearly telling you you're, I'm clearly telling you you're wrong. 
About which part? The All carrot of it. milk? <laughs> yeah, it's carrot money and then Oh, do I have it backwards? Yeah, it's okay. Shit. Read the pamphlet. I've got to go through the bridge again. Damn it. <laughs> and the, and the, the clear. Bridge. Damn it. Uh, so we weren't able to really find like an actual hated it for this no, show. There's we no, well, I'm sure they're out there, but not on IMDb at least. So the person who gets the closest is Aaron1375 from back in 2009. He uh, titles this review, This show just seemed to try too hard to make the story surprising. It's a nice title of your <laughs> review. Here it goes. I like this show for the most part. The main problem I had with it are the strange ending episodes of both the first and second season, as it were. I was disappointed with the way the first season ended or the series wrapped up as a whole. I think the show was supposed to have ended after the first season, but Americans wanted more, so it came back. (laughs) And it was interesting again until it neared the end, and once again, it got a bit too muddled for my tastes. The show had it all, though. James Bond kind of action and espionage and giant robots duking it out, which I totally remember from James Bond. It's my favorite thing of James Bond. It's like the classic quintessential James Bond. It's like what you need in James Bond. Though most shows had a pattern of some sort of little mission for the main character, Roger, and then some super robot would come and he would summon his own little robot, Big O. (laughs) Little robots. Little robot. And they would, of course, (laughs) clash. Granted, it does seem repetitive written here. However, it played out very well and there were certainly some interesting story arcs going on. I was so interested to see how it all wrapped up, but in the end, did not work as I just thought Dorothy was not involved enough and Angel, who we don't meet yet, became this super important character out of nowhere. Still, it looked good, and for the most part, most of the other episodes was very entertaining. Just did not care for the cause of the strange city known as Amnesia. Uh, 7 out of 10, so still not bad. It's passing grade. So it's still doing okay. So what about you, buddy? Do you recommend it? And if not, does it get the dip? Uh, I recommend this show. I recommend checking it out. I think it's, uh, I think even if you just watch the pilot, I think it's a solid, it's it's extremely solid entry uh, into this genre. I think it gives you a lot of things to, to really think about and consider. And uh, if you liked it as much as I, I think it's going to hook you for a second episode. Yeah, as for me, I've uh, decided to, you know, convert my entire life into following the Big O as a new religion. So I, of course, recommend it. I mean, how could I not? <laughs> the Big O is our Lord and Savior of the giant Megaduces. Um, Megaduces. Uh, Megaduces. The crazy thing is when you guys get to see the episode where he's uh, sacrificed on a giant metal cross. That's a crazy episode. Oh my god! I don't know if that actually happens or not. Now it was a joke, but it might be a real thing. I'm not sure. They, I, I'd actually have to go back. It and actually watch might some be a real thing. Oh no! Yikes! <laughs> Welcome to the Church of the Big O. Thank you for joining us, Sean, buddy. What do you have going on in the next couple of weeks for our listeners out there? Guys, as always, I do live improv comedy in Washington, D.C. with a group called Knox. You can find tickets and information with dc.org. And I'm always on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Paul Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at DrClawMD. You can also find me on Collider.com, Nerdist.com, and DaveTrumbor.com. If you're interested in finding out more about Saturday morning cartoons, Money Water, Carrot Water, or Carrot Milk, or the Church of the Big O, you can do so at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember, that's morning with a U. You can also check out our website, SaturdayMorningCartoons.com, or find us on Twitter at MorningTunes. Check out Sean's handiwork over on our Instagram page, keep the conversation going on Facebook, and listen to our free audio podcast each and every week through YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you have a suggestion for a future episode or just want to join the Church of the Big O, feel free to drop us an email, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. Pal, this not only wraps up our 150th episode, it also wraps up yeah. Anime April, if I'm correct. Yeah. 
That it does. So we are. Uh, man, what's going on next? I don't know. We got a bunch of stuff going on in May. I feel like May um, needs like a theme. Like it needs like a like something mouse. that's alliterative. Yeah, like maybe mice, mouse cartoons. Maybe, mouse cartoons. Like meat, is there meatloaf cartoons? There is no. Uh, oh my god! Is there a meatloaf are there at least cartoon? four meatloaf cartoons? I really kind of want to watch four meatloaf cartoons. Well, if it's four year, cartoons about like anthropomorphic meatloaf, or just the singer <laughs> meatloaf. <laughs> But it, honestly, though, I would do anything not to have to watch an anime meatloaf. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for picking up on it. Got it. Got it. So <laughs> now sing it. Uh, <laughs> next time. So, <laughs> so I don't know. What do you want to do for May? I almost said what it was. Uh, you know, should we should we get into uh, should we get into some Marvel? Cartoons? Oh, that sounds marvelous. Oh my god! You knew it was coming. <laughs> That's- like I set you up. You really did. I have myself. a very narrow range of jokes, and you knew it was going to fall right in there. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be covering some Marvel um, cartoon series, and we're going to cover kind of a wide range of characters that you know, characters you've never heard of, uh, different time periods, some very contemporary, some pretty not old, but old enough. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun month. I think should be a good time. Yeah, cool. So thank you guys for joining us for Anime April, and hopefully you stuck around through all of Mecha March Madness, and we're coming up with Marvel May next month. It's going to be a good time. Uh, So thank you guys again for listening, and we will see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.